This is Stephen Curry. You're listening to Mr. T on KMBR 680, the sports Curry to walk it up. Brewer his defender this time. Bounce pass to Lee. Doubled on the catch. Back to Curry. Deep three left side. Good! It is indeed time to talk a little hoops with the point guard of the Golden State Warriors. First place, Golden State Warriors at 9 and 6. Steph, what's going on, man? How you doing? You doing pretty good so far. Good. 20 points last night, season high 10 assists, season high 4 steals. Although you continued your streak, six games without a block. We need to work on that. <laughs> Get my point one average up. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I always used to kid Mully because they used to give him credit for blocks when he just, like, stripped the ball as you were going up for a shot. I go, if you didn't have those, you'd be down with me in terms of blocks. <laughs> hey, tell me what's going through your head last night, the last 30 seconds of that game, because I'm sitting there watching it just shaking my head. I know you got to be thinking, what in the world is happening here? Yeah, uh, I think we had a possession um Going down and we're up three and didn't get, a, didn't get a shot and they got a rebound and coming down in transition. We coach always preaches if we're up three to foul. And, mm-hmm. um, that's always been his philosophy. So, um, start with, with Jarrett, you know, he, he tried to wait till the last second possible to get the foul. Um, it looked like he was going in for another move before he was shooting. So they kind of, Judge McCall there gave him the, the, uh, the three point attempt. And from then on, you know, the, Reviews of whose ball it was out of bounds. I thought the second one was definitely ours, but they yes. gave it to him. And then obviously the uh, the point five seconds, and and thankfully we were on the on the right end of that decision. So uh, just kind of nerve wracking down the stretch. There's so many plays that were in the refs' hands, and um, thankfully we came out on top. Well, I'll say it because I don't want you to be any lighter in the wallet. That Garrettson call was a joke. I mean, it was an absolute <laughs> joke because that was, and I totally agree with uh, Coach Jackson. When you're up three, you foul him, you put him on the line, make him shoot a free throw, and then try to miss one and get a rebound. I've seen it happen before, but not as many times as I've seen a guy hit a three to tie the game before. And that one was about as obvious as one could be. It was clear that Iguodala was not in a shooting motion, and then when Jack grabbed him, it occurred to him to go ahead and throw it up there to see what could happen. Hell, he might have been as shocked as anybody that he got to go to the free throw line. Yeah, it was kind of. I think you saw his first couple steps was going to out of bounds. He was going to take yep. the ball out, or even looking at their coach for a play. So I mean, he did a a side hesitation dribble that a lot of guys use to create space, and I mean, it looked like Jared fouled him on that move and had another dribble. But um, at the last minute, he picked it up and and gave you know put the decision in his hands and at least made him make a decision. So um, I'm sure it won't change our philosophy in the future of, of fouling yeah. when we need to. Do you guys um, practice better. that? Do you practice those situations and how to go about fouling someone? We did it in training camp. Um, I think for two practices we did uh, late game situations, mainly working on offense. But at one point, coach, um, we were, had the first team make sure we knew, you know, the art of fouling in that situation. So uh, we've done it before. Yeah, I'm totally and totally in lockstep with him on that. In fact, I've said I would go over it once a week. I would just because because when that happens, just by definition, it's going to be an important moment of the game. And just because it only happens maybe I don't know maybe seven or eight times 
a year, you want to be prepared for what's going to happen. And it's not as easy as just fouling someone. There's guys that are coming at you full steam. There's sideline out of bounds, under out of bounds, live ball when a guy has a dribble. It's not that easy just to grab someone because you most certainly don't want to foul and let him make the bucket and then have a chance to to win the game. As we saw last night, it's not as easy as hitting three free throws in a row. A lot of guys are going to struggle making those threes, but certainly it's something I've always felt is worth practicing so you know what you're doing at the end of the game. I agree. And I think on the other side of that, you have the the art of doing it at the last second mm-hmm. possible so that you can um, limit their opportunities on the back end to run a good play and get a good shot up. So, um you know, they're, the offense is actually thinking about that as well because we're yelling, you know, we have one to give. Yep. Everybody's on the same page. So they're just trying to, to play with us as well to try to figure out when to attack and uh, knowing we're going to fail. So um, yeah, I, I would agree, we, you know, practicing it in more situations you're, you're in, hopefully uh, it's not too many, but yeah. you'll get better at it. Well, what do you do when talking to Steph Curry here on KMBR as an offensive player? Because I think offensive players – are getting a little more savvy as well because they know fouls are coming and more teams like to do this. So they're looking for opportunities to draw that foul and get to the free throw line. What's in your mind at the end of the game when you're down three and you have the ball? What are you trying to look for? Just when the ball is when he's uh, in his next dribble motion. So um, obviously you're, you're tied up on his body, not letting him get an easy look. Um, but you kind of try to time it once he's in, um, I guess shooting range mm-hmm. that can that can change at that point in the game where the guy normally likes to shoot at. But when he's around a three point line or whatever, you you tight on his body. You try to time it where there's um, in between his dribbles when he's when that ball is headed back to the floor, so there's no way he can pick it back up and get a shot at ten balls. And it's a kind of a two piece movement from there on. So. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you said, you gotta you gotta foul him hard. You can't you can't take your jacket and, and try to get away with it. Talk about the second quarter last night because that was the quarter where Denver exploded, got back up into the game, and I think took a nine point lead into the half. As I'm watching that game, certainly the defense wasn't as good as it was in the first quarter, and you guys turned the ball over more in that quarter than you did in the other quarters. But I thought a lot of it was they were just hitting shots, and they were hitting shots that I think. If you look at you say, look, if they're going to make those shots all game long, then we're going to be in trouble. But this is our scouting report. These guys aren't a really good shooting team. So eventually these numbers are going to work out. Do you say those things to yourself, even though it's tough to watch a team hit shot after shot after shot, that this is a long game and eventually those shots are going to stop falling? Uh, it's a little bit of that. It was a little bit of their um, adjustment lineup-wise they they uh, they went small, put Gallinari at the four, mm-hmm. and we had either Carl um, or D. Lee trying to guard those guys on the wing. And, and, you know, they do a great job of staying in front, but it's tough to, when they space the floor like that, to have two bigs against their, their small lineup. And um, they, you know, they they get more open looks than they normally would have. And, we, you know, we just take our chances with them making them, like you said. But, uh, we made an adjustment in the third quarter, um, putting Draymond in uh, with either D. Lee or Carl, and the, when they tried to go that same lineup, being able to to switch and just uh, continue to put pressure on their perimeter because that's where they do like to get their uh, their, their driving lanes and, uh, and their spacing with that with that small lineup. So we made an adjustment as well, and we're able to. Uh, figure it out in the second half. Yeah, Draymond Green something because I look at him and I, I nothing really pops 
off the page at me. He's not a great shooter. He's not a great rebounder. He's a good defender. He's tough. I mean, that's one thing I will say about him, and I think this team is much tougher than it has been in the past. But there's nothing I look at Draymond Green and say he, he – he can't do and he's really going to hurt you out there. And I like the fact that he has a lot of energy and he played four years in college, so he's a smart player. Talk a little bit about because maybe he doesn't have the numbers uh, or the playing time as Barnes and Azili. I don't know if he gets the, the recognition, but talk about his strengths on the court and what he's able to do for you guys out there. He's best to do it all. I mean, he does uh, a lot of things, you know, well. Mm-hmm. He, he, he finds his way to the ball. It seems like every possession he's when he's on the floor, he he has some kind of impact on the play. Um, you've seen, I think, a couple of times he's taken a, a charge on a guy who's made a shot at the end of a quarter that normally a, a guy wouldn't be able to make that that play. He's found his way to the right spot and at the right time. Um, he, he's aggressive and physical. Even you know he, he's versatile as well. You can put him on different guys. I think he's guarded Gallinari, um, Kevin Love. And maybe a two guard in the last three games, so he can guard different positions. Um, offensively, he, you know, he's a capable shooter and has a lot of confidence to not rise up and take those shots. So um, he just he's just an impact player. And I think definitely playing four years in college on a good team in Michigan State that was always in the conversation come tournament time and those pressure kind of games, and he was seen as a leader, really prepared him for the role he has now. Um, and, and as it'll grow during his career. Do you think the lineup you guys ended up with last night, and I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Steph, I think it was you, Clay, Jack, Carl, and David Lee were out there to end the game. And certainly you can't predict what the game enders are going to be based on who you're playing and what their strengths are. Do you see that as a lineup that could end up finishing some games based on matchups? Yeah, I think so. I think it has in uh, you know, other games besides last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in the past four or five games, you've seen different lineups each night, so guys have to be ready. Uh, but the lineup with like you that you called out, um, we have D. Lee and and Carl. Carl's been our closer uh, and being able to throw it into the post and him get us easy buckets as well as David. And then you got. Myself and Jerry, who can handle the ball and make plays once you get stops and transition. Um, and obviously, you have Clay as a knockdown shooter and playmaker as well. So, everybody has a different role. Um, and we kind of gel well, well together. Um, but night in, night out, you don't know who's going to be in that lineup. So, uh, I think that's the kind of the depth of our team right now, you know, without Bogut and, and B Rush. Uh, on, on the bench for us, we have to have guys that can step up at any time, and we've been able to do that so far. Does it seem a little odd to you to look at the standings and see Warriors 9-6 and six first place? <laughs> yeah, I think it's our best start since 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is it is different. And obviously, you know, we're only 15 games in, so we can't be complacent or satisfied with that. Um, but knowing, you know, that we're capable of, of – competing and, and playing like we have uh, over these first 15 games, you know, we're, we're very excited and optimistic about, you know, what we could do down the stretch. So, um, you know, we got to take care of, home court event, uh, of our home court these next two games before we hit the, hit the East Coast. And, um, you know, you just, just keep grinding. Um, you know, we want to be in the, in the conversation and the thick of things come April, but 
uh, we're kind of taking it in bits and pieces, and we've done our job over the first 15 games. Do you see a difference in Coach Jackson year two versus year one, whether he's just more comfortable, uh, any anything you've noticed on the bench or at practice that lets you know that now you know he's kind of into this, he's, he's done with the rookie season and on to his second year? Uh, it's nothing um, you know, kind of that you can just point out, but it's the fact that you know he has a healthy, a somewhat healthy lineup to deal with, and a lot, of, a lot more experience than we had down the stretch last year. And you can see his game planning and his the buttons he's pressing in the fourth quarter. Um, just you know, like we talked about with the lineups that he has to put out there, those in, in different matchups, he's able to do that and not. Uh, not have to worry about so many injuries and so many rookies that we had to play last year and things like that. So um, it'll only get better as the season goes on, and we'll get more consistent with that. But uh, you can you can tell in the first 15 games you'd be able to make a lot more adjustments than uh, than he was able to last year. Were you surprised that uh, David Stern decided to get himself into the coaching business by telling Coach Popovich how to run his lineup? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean you know a lot of teams do that. Um, at the end of the season when uh, they're preparing for the playoffs. And I think the only thing that probably frustrated him was that they were able to just send them home and um, not be on the bench with the rest of the team. I don't, I don't know, you know, what exactly kind of ticked him off a little bit, but uh, it was interesting how that all unfolded. But well, I, don't um, an apology sure, to the, sure. I don't remember an apology to the Warrior fans last year when he sent everybody home at the end of the season and they weren't here. Exactly. You can pick out different games where I'm sure <laughs> most of the playoff teams have done that once or twice. Uh, you know, resting guys uh, during the regular season. So, I mean, I'm sure TV game in Miami yep. he had a lot to do with it. But uh, you just, I'm sure Popovich, if they uh, if they make a run deep in the playoffs or whatever, he won't care. No, I don't think Pop cares anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He's <laughs> just like I'm resting my guys early, real early. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're talking to Steph Curry here on KMBR. The defense has been much better this year. You and Clay, and you've been shooting the ball better as of late, and Clay's been shooting the ball better, had a real nice game last night. You both have had your struggles at some point during the early season, yet the defense has allowed you guys to stay in games and win games. I think in previous years, had you guys got off to this type of start, I don't think we'd be looking at a 9-6 and six record. What is it about the defense this year? Is it you guys getting kind of fully integrated in the scheme? You didn't have a training camp last year, the new players that you brought in. What did what, what what do you sense is different this year on the defensive end of the court? Oh, uh, I think over the summer, you know, guys are in and out um of of Oakland with with where they were training at and that kind of deal. But yeah, our assistant coaches were here and, and Coach Jackson were here. Um whenever guys came in and we did individual workouts and you could about half of the workout was breaking down defensive positioning, uh, communication and different schemes that we were going to try to implement. So it was a, it was a point of emphasis over the summer and guys kind of really bought into the, the importance of it. And so when you have most guys, all we do is work on shooting, um, maybe some ball handling here, or there, and conditioning, but we're actually breaking down different uh, different schemes and positions that we're going to, have to do during the season, whether it's pick and roll, post defense, whatever. And when guys came back before training camp, we just continued that process. And I think it's it's really kind of sent a message that uh, that's what's going to you know, separate us from teams of the past. And and also on top of that, if you rebound the ball, your your defensive stops go a lot a lot further than. Mm-hmm. 
if you give up, you know, 15 to 20 offense rebounds a night. And we've been able to control the glass a lot more consistently over these first 15 games. And that makes our job a whole lot easier on the defense end if you don't have to guard one possession versus, um, you know, second second chance, third chance points, um, you know, over the course of a, of a game. Yeah, another rule, I'd be curious if you talked to any of the officials about this, but as I was watching the game last night, critical point of the game, I want to say is in the fourth quarter, when they had the lane violation on, I think it was Fareed's free throw, and I forgot who stepped in, but then Clay went back out, and they stepped in and stood there, and he missed the free throw. So they went for the jump ball at center court, and I was thinking, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever because you guys already got the miss. You guys have nothing to gain from this. If you get the jump ball, you end up getting what you should have got. If they get the jump ball, not only do they get another possession, they would they would have only been able to get one point in the free throw, and now they could get up to three points on this possession. They end up missing it, so it didn't matter. But I thought that was an odd rule to give them a chance for a jump ball to where they could gain two extra points on the possession. I would agree. I was asking the refs before we headed to the jump ball, like, you know, what happens if he would have made the free throw? And he would have said nothing, and he just kept playing. So basically. <laughs> no, it really uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah, so either, you know, if two guys go in, one on each team, and he misses the free throw, we get the rebound, we don't get an advantage. But if he makes it, the points still count, so we're still behind. And then you go to a jump ball, like you just said, break down that situation if it happens. So basically, if we go in the lane and they go in the lane, we're we gotta get an extra stop. So I'm gonna <laughs> tell Clay just just push him, just push him in the lane, and just hope you don't fall in before. You get the rules committee on that during the offseason. fair. Hey, before I let you run, I know you do some stuff each month on Twitter. Tell us a little bit about it and how some of the fans can get involved. Uh, yeah, I do a, a, a fan giveaway basically every uh, 30th of each month. Um, so it's called the SC30 giveaway. This month, um, I signed up with uh, this company called eGraphs, where it's a website that you can go on and, and request basically a, a signed personalized autograph from me and an audio, um, a personalized audio message of whatever you want me to say, uh, also whatever you want me to write on the autograph. And... Uh, I can I'll send it from you from my iPad. It's uh, guaranteed to be from me and, and uh, authentic, so you can do that. But this month, we're basically asking all the fans to uh, send their good lucks or any kind of message they want to send to any of the Warriors that are on on Twitter, uh, any of my teammates, and uh, we'll pick the the most creative uh, or unique uh, message, and that person will get a signed uh, personalized e-graph. From me, so you can go to my website. It's stephencurry30.com and get all the details and how you can uh, participate from there. Have you ever typed something in on Twitter? It's something that hit you spur of the moment, and then you read it and said, "Yeah, I should probably delete that." <laughs> uh, a, a good amount, I think. <laughs> I don't know exactly certain situations, but um, they always told us, you know, read your tweet at least two or three times before you press send, and I've. Uh, uh, I think I've, I've done that, used that uh, advice maybe four or five times to keep myself out of trouble. I think it's I mean, very, I'm not a, very good advice. I'm not a bad mouthing, yeah, I'm not a bad mouthing guy to begin with, but just some stuff that might be uh, misread if I were to press it. Well, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, you have it right there in front of you, and sometimes certain things hit you to where you might get angry or something upsets you, or you see something on TV, and you just want to say, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. 
And I think a lot of athletes should heed that advice. Read it a couple of times to make sure that's something you want everyone to read. And once it's out there, it's out there. You can delete it off the timeline all you want, but it's still going to be out there. So you should ask yourself, is that something that I mind if my mom reads or my sister reads? Or do I feel like I want everyone to hear this? I think a lot of athletes get in trouble by just kind of letting the emotions take over, grab the, grab the iPhone, hit send, and then say, ooh, that probably wasn't a good idea. Exactly. Like you said, it's going to get around to everybody in in due time. So you got to keep that in mind. Hey, Steph, congratulations on the good start. Once again, 9-6 and six in first place. Best of luck the next couple of games and hopefully get a chance to talk to you down the road. All right, Mr. T. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steph. Appreciate it, man.